Welcome, everybody, to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and that's... Howard Tybal. This is perfect. That's two weeks in a row. You know, if we, if I, if you and I knew anything about cars, we probably do. We could, we could take this on the road and have it be on any subject. By the way, have you seen the movie Chef? Not yet. John Favreau. You have to see them. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm putting a plug for this, but um, Pam and I saw this last week. One of the best movies I've seen in a very long time. Really? Go and see Chef. That's fantastic. I will do it. This has been a great podcast. Hey, I'll talk. I'll talk to you next time. <laughs> Here's what I want to talk about this week. I stumbled on a concept that uh, this is, uh, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot about Chautauqua the last couple of weeks and the, the legacy of change uh, going on in the last couple of episodes. And, and uh, stumbling through some of the resources, I, I ran across the title of a course, Conscious Collaboration, An Antidote to Unconscious Conflict. And so you can, you know, Google that title if you want to learn more about that. It just got me thinking yeah. about what happens in a complex change process, particularly when we're talking about the kind of work you do, trying to help teams adjust to a completely new way of, of kind of doing business, of this business model process. And I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the dark side of <laughs> building uh, new roads to collaboration, creativity, uh, those things. This unconscious conflict really stuck with me. Uh, and so I wanted to see how inspiring that concept is to you. What happens on a team and what are the what are the dangers that you can run into you know when you're going down this road of the decision making process trying to build this collaborative approach toward a new way of being this conversation in itself is dangerous right right i feel I mean, like i just pulled the pin on a on a yeah, conversation I mean, it's, grenade it's, it's make it's making me uncomfortable i mean think about this topic of you know you, you know it's one of these things where the, the more i do this work the more I uh, can appreciate the challenge people have around change. And this concept of being conscious or unconscious, uh, you know, th this idea of being unconsciously aware, and ultimately what we're talking about is being unconsciously or, or unaware of our own behavior. And when we become aware of our behavior and, uh, you know, it, this is one of those kind of conversations where you say, all right, are you born with this? Can you teach it? Can you make people better at dealing with conflict? And I think the answer is some people are naturally gifted at dealing with conflict. You know, I think it's life experience. It's wiring in the brain. Uh and then there's other people who on the on the other scale who have no understanding about their own behavior. And and I'll tell you, we, we all know those experiences when we're in a meeting and the same person does their thing where they step in and you know they 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 put something right in the middle that everybody's saying, oh, here we go again. And this person is wholly unaware of their behavior. And I think that's also an exception. So I think there's there's uh, there's there's few of us that that naturally are gifted at dealing with conflict. We rise above it. There's a few of us who are deeply unconscious, and I think there's the majority of us 
if we make an effort to step back, and you know, that's the you know, I'm using that language much and more these days. This idea of stepping back and reflecting. You know, we we often start coming together in a meeting or a retreat with, okay, why are we here? And we often leave these experiences, if they're done well, by saying, what happened? How did what did we get out of it? And that in a sense is a is a reflection. Most of the time, I mean, think about that. It's a short circuit. It's like, okay, let's stop talking about the thing we think is so important and step back and say, what really happened here? And th- that kind of behavior is something that if you have that on your team, if you have the majority of people who are self-aware of their own behavior and interact, this is the kind of thing that makes for a great team. And you know, I'd, I'd even go so far as to say is a great team it's almost difficult to pinpoint what makes them a great team. It's like you can't really put your finger on it. I think a lot of it has to do with a level of consciousness about how I interact with you and how you interact with me. Well, I think that's a I, I think that's a great point. I think you're you're going at it this angle of of uh, you know what builds a, a great team is people who are naturally conscious of what they're doing and how they're they're responding to what's in front of them in a in a meeting that that's asking them to change in some way shape or form. I wonder if you look at for example your decision making model which we've talked about a number of times on this show. Um, you look at that process with a team trying to find a way to deal with the complex problems that you are are often in front of. Uh, where are people most inclined to have that subconscious emotional response that might lead to fear, uncertainty, doubt, unconscious conflict. Does that make sense? Yeah, and the the timing of this question is very interesting because last week I gave a talk, gave a couple of talks on the decision-making model, and one of the questions somebody said is, you know, where? so where is... Uh, somebody actually asked, where's conflict? You know, where is dealing with, uh, uh, sort of, oh, they were talking about obstacles. So where are the obstacles? And, you know, as I looked at the model where you start with sort of the three big questions, which is what's the problem, why is it important, and what does success look like as if you're looking back, that that's very much those three represent sort of getting into a vision. And then you get into brainstorming, and then you get into this question of prioritizing. I think that you have to keep your eyes open in every one of those stages for the kinds of emotional reactions people might have. So I'll give you a simple one. You know, when I say, all right, let's look back as if the success has already happened. For some people, they, they, they go, what does that mean? You know, that, that, that almost seems counterintuitive. It, it almost seems like if we were to have that conversation, it wouldn't be a practical conversation. So I would say at any point in the, in the process with teams, if I say, what's the problem? I get someone raising their hand saying, there is no problem. It's all about an opportunity. If I say, why is it important? For the most part, interestingly enough, most people actually know they don't articulate the why. Some people don't see value in looking back uh, in terms of what success looked like as if it's already been uh, realized. Most people do realize we don't brainstorm effectively and therefore 
we don't have much to even prioritize. Uh, so, so this, you know, if I was to summarize your question about where does that kind of um, discomfort and potential conflicts show up, just like a team is so unique based on the individuals in that group. At any point in the decision-making model, I find that people uh, go either into their shell or have questions. And, you know, one of the challenges I have when I think about this is how to really empower a team to not really need an outside facilitator to help them through this. I actually think that people struggle with how do how am I going to manage people's unconscious or unspoken statements. It, it, it demands a higher level of facilitation. Well, that was my uh, next question, because it's it's not just you enabling a team, but you specifically, I mean, working with leaders to help them understand, uh, A, to observe when these kinds of behaviors are happening on the team and are becoming roadblocks, and two, or B, uh, what are the skills that leaders need to be able to help their teams navigate these things effectively and get and get their teams back on a on, on this wave of collaborating productively i think that what leaders and when you say leaders i i'm actually calling leaders uh influencers these days people that can effectively influence change right and if you call a meeting and you are not these people's bosses uh, if you've got a compelling topic if you've got the right people in the room uh, then your job is to find ways to engage them where they're at you know there's there's too much resistance around something very simple that I'll do it's almost like people feel like they got to walk into a meeting and have it figured out I will more often than not sit down in a meeting and say listen here's the agenda but before we dive into it let's step back is this the conversation we should be having and i can't tell you how infrequently people are willing to do that i i don't entirely understand why uh i know the value in doing this i think people get afraid that if we open the door up to this uh, this potential tangent, we will not get done what we need to get done, as opposed to saying, is what we're about to talk about still as relevant as we thought it was when we conceived of trying to come together? Well, that I think is a great question. And I, I you know, check me if you think I'm, I begin to lie here. But A, I would say there is a, a growing cultural distaste of meetings. And what that breeds is B, uh, a a deep-seated fear of tangents. People don't want to be there in the first place. Why would they possibly <laughs> want to open the door for something, you know, that takes them down a, a down a, a different road? I think you've actually hit it on the head. Uh, th- th- they don't like meetings because they don't trust that the pr- that there's anybody in there who's going to facilitate them to a useful outcome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now again, we're speaking in broad terms. There are many teams and people I'm sure listening here are saying, I, I actually facilitate a great meeting, and that's fantastic. But I would say overwhelmingly, people walk into a meeting with a sense of skepticism, a strong right. sense of skepticism, which, which what, I, what I'll tell anybody who's trying to make inroads in their career is there is more opportunity to stand out and be a contributor because the bottom is so 
low. Oh, right. Uh, you know, I, you, you I hate think, to say that, yeah, but it is. If you if you're sitting here and you think, "Hey, I facilitate a great meeting," you should take great solace in the fact that you are a rare gem. <laughs> More people have had bad experiences in meetings than good. Yeah. More teams have bad experiences than productive ones. And even be willing to to tell the truth about where thing where where things are. There's such opportunity to just you know, see what you have in front of you and then be willing to speak out on here's where I think we should be going or or just make a bold statement. You know, we're ha- I'm finding more and more I'm encouraging people to be willing to be bold by making a statement that people can react to. Uh, and again, the more I do this, the more I see there's a lot of people that sit on their hands. When I asked a group of higher ed leaders, you know, how many of you observe that part of the problem is you have a lot of people unwilling to speak up. The sea of people that nodded their heads and said, yeah, we, we, that's one of our problems is we don't have people who are willing to speak up. So, you know, just to, just to wrap this back to unconscious conflict, uh, it's, it's another way of getting at this idea of what does it mean to have healthy conflict, right? Uh, conflict is critical to make progress in any initiative, but the conflict needs to be about the idea and not the person. At the heart of what makes conflict difficult is that people quickly personalize it. Right. And even though you might not pers- you might say something about my idea, and even if you say you don't like my idea, I'm going to hear it as you don't like me. Yeah. And you know what? That's part of people just need to grow up. You yeah. know? People <laughs> seriously, people need to uh, there's two sides to it. People need to learn how to speak respectfully. But people's listening, they need to be willing to not get hooked by people not liking their idea, right? Right. right. And and that's where conflict, where it goes astray, is that we, we're reacting to uh, what people are thinking about us as opposed to our ideas. Well, and, and on the other side, people who, who express that they, ha- they don't like an idea have to be careful to be very clear that it's the idea. Yeah, I, I don't like... Some of your ideas, but you know how I feel about you, right? No, oh, he's gotten quiet. I'm not always sure. <laughs> hey, this has been a great conversation. I, you know, I don't think there are any magic bullets to solve this one, but uh, it, it certainly, I think, merits more conversation. Be observant in how your teams are behaving and how they react to change, so you don't get trapped in unconscious conflict. I love it. I love it. Hey, uh, Howard, thank you so much for your time, as always. Thank you, Pete. Uh, you can find out more about the show at tybalink.com. You can search for us in iTunes. Just search for Navigating Change. It'll come up. You subscribe for free. By far the easiest way to make sure you never miss a single episode. You can also listen to us on Stitcher Smart Radio if you haven't searched for Navigating Change there. It's a great way to listen. If you if you have a car that's enabled, it's a great way to listen to Navigating Change in the car. Otherwise, find us on Twitter at Howard Tybal. I'm at Pete Wright. We would love to hear more from you. And uh, we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybalink. Link.